Hey, folks. Welcome into the 615 Preps Podcast, the preseason editions. In this episode, we're hitting up 6A, and 6A has a lot of teams, so strap in for a little bit longer discussion, Scott Burton. <laughs> uh, the homework on this one was intense. Yeah, it was. It, the, the football in this class is intense, too, so it makes sense. See what you did there. Uh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wits are still about me because we're doing all these, we're all, all these preview shows together, so... No, rest has been important. Yeah, yeah, hydration. Rest and hydration, <laughs> that's that's key. Kind of kind of what these kids are going to need in these August games when oh. we have 90-degree weather. Oh, my goodness. it's uh, It's been humid as anything. I, yeah. you know, as much as I can even remember, it's been just hot and humid for consistent days now. See, we're co- recording this the Sunday before week one, and supposedly the weather is supposed to be decent for – for week one, maybe not as humid, so we're hoping for that. Let's cross our fingers for that one. That would be good. Yeah, but uh, got a lot of teams to get into, so let's get started. Starting in Region 3 and the defending champion Oakland Patriots, uh, the good news for them is that this year, if they get to the semifinals in 6A, they'll get to host Maryville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it makes a difference. It, it does, because in this, in this particular situation, the last two years, the, the the host of that semifinal game has gone on to the state championship game. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's bus lag or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know something that they stopped and ate, and you may need to swap that up. But it it is really strange that well, it's not strange at all when you think about no, it. home yeah. field advantage does mean something. Yeah, it does. Now the the bigger problem for Oakland is they've got to replace a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. They they don't bring back a ton, and especially a quarterback with Cody Sparks graduating. You know, they've got to replace him. So the question's going to be, uh, is it going to be Vic Stevenson? Is it going to be Ian Schlachter? We'll see come week one who's going to be taking the bulk of the snaps. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be a transition for them. But this Oakland team, just they reload. And, uh, you know, that Coach Creasy is going to make sure that they are set up. Vic Stevenson, he's a wildcat, but he's kind of next level. But he's going to be DB at the next level. But uh, I think that Ian Schlatter – Will probably be the the primary, uh, but this team has always been built on the run. Yeah, yeah it's going to be again. I mean, they're running behind a line that's got guys like Graham Keating and Alex Jones anchoring it. Uh, and it, it Kevin Creasy's guys are going to be fine. It's just a matter of you know who plugs those spots in early on. Yeah, you mentioned Graham Keating, you know, six four, two eighty five. Yep. they are large up front, yep. and this is a kid that's getting D one looks. Uh, but they have a they have a new face. Yeah. They do have a new face. Yeah, Jordan James uh, transferred from Brentwood Academy. He should be in the mix at running back. You know, he'll get plenty of firepower in the backfield and, and already, and then you add him to the mix, and, and they're still going to be stout. Yeah, they're younger, but I don't think they're young on depth or talent. Uh, the closest region they ga- game they had last year was a 31-14 win over uh, Riverdale. Yeah, the the thing is, the, these t- these kids are getting reps in these in these lopsided games, so their experience. That, They'll that, have experience. That was going to be my point because you looked at the defensive points per game last year. They gave up was under eight. Their offensive was uh, 55. So there were a lot of the starters didn't have these gaudy stats that you might see other places because, quite frankly, they were playing a quarter. They were playing a half. Yep. You got to wonder does what that does to you in the in the postseason. But that's something that coaches have to worry. You, you got to get there, and right. that's the main thing. And so. Antonio Patterson was the backup running back last year. Had 11 touchdowns in in backup duty. So. Yeah, that says enough about the kind of experience that they're going to get. Yeah, with Patterson and James in the backfield, that's going to be 
Uh, I, that's where I could see Vic Stevenson being a, yeah. a big factor, too. Yeah. yeah. On defense, you've got guys like Kobe Manning coming back as, as, a, as a senior stand down on that side of the ball. So look forward to seeing them uh, yeah. get going. 70 tackles out of him. But, uh, and again, their defensive backfield, they got a ton of speed. So I, I agree. I, I think that you're looking at the class of, uh, of uh, uh, three, Region 3 here. Yeah. Open against Hendersonville. They've got four straight home games in the middle of the year. Then they go, and the last one is against Blackman. And then they're October 16th at Riverdale. So what, which will decide this region will be those three games, those couple of games. Oh, yeah. 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 Speaking of the Blaze, they're the next team on the list. And, you know, they got to be happy about having Drew Beanback a quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah. That this team is is I think going into this season, uh, they could make a push here. They could make a push for Oakland just with uh, with what they've got returning. You know, it's not great. You got five offense, five defense coming back, but you got twenty five seniors on yeah. this team. I mean, you know, basically this team is built on size. The O-line goes 295, 265, 230, 242, 65, 250. They have the size to match up with Oakland. Yeah. They're going to have to have some targets, though, because they lost Keontae Newsom and Malachi Barnes to graduation. So you're looking at guys like Charles Gaunt, Todd Lark, Mark Cooper would be Drew Bean's main targets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you have O'Brien Jackson – up front, John Hartman, Malcolm Smith, and Brock Roten still uh, – it's, it's a pretty experienced line for, for the Blaze. Oh, yeah. And Elijah Smith, I think, is going to be the key there. He's you know, he was the linebacker of the year, 17, uh, 72 solo tackles, 44 assists, 18 tackles for loss. The guy's a beast uh, at, at the linebacker spot. They've got the parts in place. Uh, Cooper, you mentioned him as wide receiver, but he's, he's an outstanding defensive back mm-hmm. as well. Uh, 29 tackles pick. Um so, this team is built to match up. Uh, whether they have enough to, you know, finally get over the hump and and put Oakland away is that's some to be seen. Uh, looking at their schedule, it's kind of interesting. They have a four game homestand, which ends with Riverdale before going into Oakland. Yeah, but they get that early test. Those early tests, they go to Alcoa and to Ravenwood in the first two weeks, so they'll get an idea of, of what they have right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, you know, again, this team defensively stands up. Not, not quite the stats same as uh, as Oakland, but eighteen points a game on uh, defense, uh, thirteen in the region. Yeah, Riverdale's our next team to look at. Now, the Warriors have a lot of experience on defense coming back. They've got eight starters on that side of the ball returning, so I think that's the key for them to compete in this region. Is going to be the strength of their defense. Oh, absolutely. I think that their defense is is solid. Um, again, you know, they had three shutouts last year in the region, and these guys are coming back. You're talking about guys like Caleb Herring in the defensive backfield, Javon Nelson, who's a college pro- prospect at defensive end, uh, C.J. Johnson, you know, he's uh, lightning quick. He, is, uh, uh, he was a co-athlete of the year. I mean, they've got the they got the the question is going to be uh, Jameson Holcomb yeah. at the quarterback spot. Uh, what's their offense going to be like? Is he going? And now you know he knows you know he knows football. Yeah, growing up son of Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, who is uh, offensive coordinator? Right. So so you know that you know he's got he's got the smarts. It's just how are they going to how are they going to gel? 
And yeah. can and they can they keep up with the Oaklands and the Blackmans? Yeah, I believe Holcomb is just a sophomore too. So I mean, he had a little bit of time last year, but not a ton. So he's coming into a, his first full time year as a starter. So be interesting to see his development with his dad. You know, calling the plays for for Riverdale. Uh, they get a good test early with CPA coming in week one. And they almost put Blackman away last year. It was only a 22-23 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a target that uh, is drawing some looks. It's a young guy, but it's uh, Caleb Herring. He's a huge target. He's a sophomore, 6'4", 215, hard to bring down. I think that he's going to – and then uh, Javon Nelson, another 6'3", tight end. So he's going to have weapons with him. Yeah. that's the Those three teams, Riverdale, Blackman, Oakland – seem to be a step above everybody else in this region, and then they should fight for those three spots. Now, you look at a team like Siegel that missed last year, and, and you know Adam Renshaw comes in his first year with the Stars. He's got to rebuild the offense. They only have three starters returning on that side of the ball. So how do the Stars make progress in this region and try to get back in the playoff picture? Well, first thing they're going to do is uh, they're going to have to get consistent running the ball. Uh, you know, they're going to have to make sure they're getting guys in the weight room, which I'm sure they are. Uh, but, you know, this is a region unlike any other. In, in, in another region, Siegel may be a lot more competitive making the playoffs consistently. No. Not in this region. Not with your Oaklands or Riverdales and Blackman. Yeah, especially with Cookville and, and sliding Cookville, into that fourth spot. Exactly. So it's, it's really diff- difficult. They're just going to have to build on what they've got, and they can do it because they got some big bodies up front uh, that can uh, protect their quarterback, uh, Jack Nedrow. Uh, he's strong-armed, but he, he, he just lacks experience. I think this, this team is you know, maybe a, a season away. Yeah, and the thing is, really, they only have to reverse two games. I mean, they lost to Warren County and Coffee County in close games last year. So you reserve you reverse those two and you're in the postseason pretty much with those with those wins. Yeah, but week seven through nine is a murderer's row. Now they're at Riverdale, at Cookville, and then home against Blackman. Yeah. I mean that that's that that's a tough schedule for Oakland. That's a tough three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the defensively it's really where they're gonna have to, to turn it up. Offensively they did put points on the board last year, but defensively they gave up in the region near uh, almost forty one points a game. And that's where they're going to have uh, – where uh, Coach Renshaw is going to have to improve this team. Yeah. We finished this region by looking at Rockville. The Rockets entering their second season, they didn't get a win in their first year under Rick Rice. They had a very young team, so they're bringing a ton back. They only lost one starter overall from last year's squad, which is good news for them because the continuity is certainly there. Yeah, this team – I think is poised to – I think this year they, they get on the board for sure. They may get a couple of wins this year. But they're going to have to play, you know, very, very good ball to do it. Um, you know, they have some good players. Their defense – of course, everybody who's not the top three teams in this are going to have to step up their defense because you look at it, you're playing you – know, again, we t- talked about how good those top three teams are that are putting up points – so, you know, you look at the teams on the lower end and say, well, they're going to have to prove their defense. Well, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Scott. Yeah, you're brilliant. You've solved everything. You know, how about working on cancer now? Um, 
But I mean, you you look at their you know regions you know gave up near forty seven points a game. Offense only put up about uh, eighteen point six. But they've got some players over there. Uh, Cole Geating, um, he's a tight end, inside linebacker. He was the all region defensive end. He's 5'10", 185, but he plays much, much bigger than the size. And a lot of these kids do. Uh, I mean, a lot of these kids play bigger than their size. Brannick Swain, uh, again, wide receiver, defensive back, 5'10", but an all-region defensive end. Uh, Aiden Falcone, all-region honorable mention uh, defensive end. So their defense, they're building, but these guys just don't – they don't have the size that, that and the depth. That's the big thing yeah. with these schools like Rockvale, schools like Siegel. They don't have the depth, just you know, the fourth man up that some of those other bigger programs. I think Rockvale's on their way. Yeah, it's, just, it's going to take some time. It's going to take time to build a program. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's that's why it's a, a program and not a team. Right, and and Rick Rice, you no, know, well, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He obviously is in a better position now than he was last year because at this time last season he was still trying to get some of the of the things needed to even start the program and get it going. Now you don't have to do that. You just have to go in there and work on getting kids better and, and getting them ready to go. Right, right. And and that's where your focus has to be. That's how you're going to have to measure success is have we progressed better this year than we were last year. Yeah, the, and, let's see. Well, Marius Nelson at quarterback, he's back for them, so that'll be a good thing to, to have a little continuity under center. But you know, Rick Rice and the Rockets, which I think is a good band name, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah, write it down, man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that that would be a good – they open against Laverne on Thursday night, August 20th, the, so the first game in the area around here. So yeah. they'll, they'll get to kick us off. Call Dilfer, see if he can have them open up before one of the <laughs> – <laughs> he might try, but we'll talk about them in, in a later episode. So we got to take a break, and we'll, we'll talk about Region Four coming up after this. Stay with us. This is the Six One Five Preps Podcast. Hey, folks! If you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let Six One Five Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615preps, Friday night's finest play here. Getting into Region 4 now in the Class 6A preview, and, and we start with the defending champion, Hendersonville Commandos. Now, you look at their 6-6 six and six record. It's a little bit deceiving, and they, they had some tough non-region opponents, but in the region... They did the job just just fine, and you know they they whipped Mount Juliet in the last game of the season to, to win the region title. They scored nearly sixty points against Cookville in their first playoff game, and then you know, lost to Blackman in round two. But the Commandos under James Beasley are going to have to they're going to have to replace about half of their starters. They've got six on offense and four coming back on the defensive side. So, and including at the quarterback spot, where where it's not really known who's going to be under center. Maybe Luke Manning. It could be. It could be. That's that's one of the questions they're they're going to have to solve. Yeah, last year they started off kind of you know it, uh, inconsistent, made mistakes. Well, definitely uh, mistakes cost them in the beach game for right. certain. But uh, they really got focused towards the end, and and you know when they went out against Blackman, they actually gave Blackman probably one of the tougher games that Blackman's had mm-hmm. all year. Yep. So th- this team has got a lot that they that they need to build on, but they've got the pieces in place to do it. 
Uh, Brent Rowe, the all-county, all-region running back, he's also all-state at the safety, strong safety. But yep. you want to talk about their offense. He's 6'1", 225. He is a load to bring down. Um, Ellis Ellis, another one of the all-perfect name teams. That's a first-teamer right there. Yeah, Ellis Ellis. Uh, you know, also, you know, all-county, all-region running back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Keon Stafford. Uh, th- th- it's almost an embarrassment of riches in some ways. You know, 493 uh, yards, seven touchdowns for Stafford. Yeah, you, you, what you get with Hendersonville, you're going to see a number of runners run with the football but out of that wing T offense. That's just what they've done for years, and it, it, the formula really hasn't changed for them. Yeah, it's going to be a real question. Like you said, the the quarterback play to me is going to be the the big thing. Um, you know, they they could easily – win this region, they could easily slip and fall to, like, third. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really just depends on what they do. Now, they have a weapon that I wanted to mention. That's Andrew Martin, the senior kicker. Yep. I think that when you talk about getting into close games, more and more special teams shows up. Uh, we saw it last year. I think we'll see it this year. This this kid's got a, a strong leg. He was pretty consistent on PATs. I think that he's going to be a factor but, I, again, I think this is a run-built team. Yep. they got great size up front. Uh, their defense, uh, led by Donnell uh, uh, Brown, excuse me, Mr. Brown, <laughs> um, the junior defensive lineman, he, you know, he, again, second-team All-County, he's, uh, he's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, guys like Jack Busey, Stevie Mack also on the defensive side could be good in support for the commandos. They're going to go to Oakland week one, so it's an immediate litmus test of what this team is and, and what it could be. And and so many of what I looked at, Chris, is, you know, especially with these early games, with the lack of a spring practice, yeah, you really don't know until you lace them up that first week or two what you have. Yeah. And so these teams with questions at the skill spots, that's going to be really big. Mm-hmm especially if you're a team that's missing the first couple of games of the season. Right. That's very true, too. Uh, you know, Hendersonville lost that first game 59 to nothing last season and, and wound up winning the region. So they did come quite a ways from week one to week 11. The team they beat out, Mount Juliet, up next. Uh, that was a disappointment for the Golden Bears and Trey Perry losing the region that way. But it didn't affect them in the postseason because you know, they won the first-round game and then – basically stayed step for step with Oakland for a long time in round two. Yeah, and I, I thought for I thought that they matched up well with Oakland, but, you know, Oakland was a juggernaut. I didn't see that coming, but uh, Coach Perry had him – he had him ready to go. Yeah, he's got 30 seniors on this, on this team this year, so there's no shortage of experience coming back for a, a program that even though – they did lose some kids to Green Hill, which just which is just up the road from them, starting their first year. Uh, they're still going to have some talent on on both sides of the ball, and it really it kind of starts it starts with Conlon Baggett, who had more than twelve hundred rushing yards last season. Oh yeah, all eyes are on him. Uh, but if like you said, you were saying leadership, senior leadership, depth, depth, depth. But the offensive line two sixty, two eighty, two eighty five, two forty five. Baggett is going to have. Road graders in front of him. Yep, I think that, uh, and then you have Ethan Brown. Uh, when they do, when they do go switch over to to passing, he's a transfer from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 
quick twitch reflexes. He's going to be the returner. Uh, this kid is electric. Yep. And I, I think that that gives them, you know, between him and uh, Jamari Sal uh, at that uh, at wide receiver, I think they've got some weapons there. Yeah, yeah, Jamari Sal, all-purpose, an all-purpose specialist, basically. You give him the ball and watch him go. He had more than 1,000 all-purpose yards on just 46 touches last year. Yeah, and, and you know, he's no slouch on defense either because at corner, he comes up and hits you. He doesn't shy away from contact. Uh, you also look at Grady Mang uh, at uh, defensive back. Uh, he had three picks last year. Um, I'm, but you, t- you mentioned the quarterback position, and uh, right now I believe Griffin Throneberry, the sophomore, looks to be maybe the favorite to take that. And he's a big guy. He's 6'2", 170. Started two games last year, had 10 TDs. But here's the kicker. No turnovers in those games. Yeah. And, you know, that's no small feat for a freshman. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the Golden Bears, I think, might be the favorite in this region once again with, with all that, all those guys coming back. Uh, they open with Stewart's Creek at home. It's a game that we'll catch first. And they have Lebanon at home, but they've got four on the road after that. So they kind of got to navigate some road trips before they get to the home stretch. Uh, Wilson Central, on the other hand, you know, they finished third on a tiebreaker with Lebanon last season. And the Wildcats kind of had a largely forgettable second half of the season. They started 4-0 last year, but went 2-5 and after that. And you know, there's some questions over in, in Glaville about what the Wildcats can do. But you know, what, what have you learned about them? Well, from what I see, they've got nine players coming back on their offensive squad. So there's some continuity uh, with uh, – with them on offense. Uh, they need their uh, quarterback, Tristan Lewis. He needs to continue to develop. He really could be something special, uh, but he just needs to continue that development. They got a running back, uh, Hayden Schultz, who's 6'2", 205. He's good size for running back, but he has speed. He may be more valuable, though, as a receiver in that offense. Um, you know, they have another receiver, uh, Ezra Widelock that uh, he averages four catches per game. So they've got guys there that at the skill positions that will do well. The question is going to be uh, their defense because while the, during the regular season they allowed um, our overall 17.9 points per game uh, on defense, in the region they gave up 23 points per game and only averaged 21 on offense. So they're going to have to be more consistent in their region, because this was a team that did some damage last year. Yeah, early on, early on, four wins, but I mean, it just kind of fell apart after that. Uh, the team that they they beat out for that number three seed, Lebanon, you know, they only have five starters coming back on offense, but one big name there, DeQuante Shannon, eleven hundred fifty six yards and fifteen touchdowns. He's back and be a big focal point of that offense. Yeah, I had him like underline like three times. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because really, as he goes, so go the Blue Devils. Uh, he, he's a return guy. He's their cornerback. He's their running back. Uh, he's just Mister All Everything for the Blue Devils. They have some, you know, they have some parts around him though. Um, they've got uh, Jackson Monette, uh offensive lineman. He goes six foot two seventy five. 
He's drawn now. He's drawn, I think, some attention also on his defense because he plays nose tackle there. But uh, we, but he also is uh, one of those big guys up front, along with Will Seats, the tight end who runs six four two twenty. He's got great hands. He's got size, starting to play up to his size. He was two thousand nineteen most improved player. Uh, so you've got some size out there, along with uh, and some speed. You got Anthony Crowell, who's a kick returner, wide receiver, corner, can break open a game anytime. So. Hopefully, you know, they can put some pieces around him. Um, you know, the question is, you know, can they uh, throw the ball, not be one-dimensional, not put it all on Shannon? Yeah, that, that kind of begs a question about uh, a player that they added off their basketball team, Jared Hall, who's just a sophomore, but he's coming out to be a wide receiver. So it would be interesting to see what his development is like and how he factors into the offense. True, and also who wins the quarterback battle because they have a senior in Eli Clemens or a sophomore in uh, Jalen Abstom. You know, and then again, does it matter? You know, you would take DeQuante Shannon back there. They could very well split time and hand it off to Shannon about equally. Exactly. I mean, it just depends on you know what offense you're wanting to run. Now I know that uh, uh, it really you know they could go wildcat with you know, or they could go running off. It just depends on the people around him. But the great thing is, as long as you've got a running game like Shannon, a running back like Shannon in there, uh, you're going to run the ball. Yeah, and the main thing for Lebanon, they've got to be a little bit better in some of these region games. I mean, losing to Wilson Central cost them a, a higher seed. and They lost by 17 to Mount Juliet. They actually beat Hendersonville. They were the only team in the region to beat Hendersonville last season, a 21-20 win. So it's not like they can't compete in this region. It's just a matter of whether their inexperience kind of cost them a little bit. Yeah, and I think that I think Lebanon can actually challenge for that second spot. Uh, I think that they definitely should, like you said last year, uh, an error here or there or inconsistent play, and it, it cost them. Uh, but I think that this team has the talent to be good enough to compete with the Hendersonville. Uh, well, we saw from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it's something where Coach Gentry is just going to have to, you know, they're going to have to play mistake-free football yeah. to win those games. A team that's in the same situation of needing to play mistake-free football was Rossview. They didn't do that down the stretch. They lost their last four games, three of them in the region, and it cost them a playoff spot altogether. The Hawks coming back after a 4-6 and six record, they return nearly their entire defense. They, they have one starter to replace on that side of the football. So, a little bit of optimism in Rossview for that very reason. Yeah, but what gets me is that their first game of the season very well could be a playoff game for them. Whenever that is. Yeah, that's true. Because if they come back, uh, depending on when they come back, uh, it could be Wilson Central as their first game. Possibly. And that right there would be, I mean, they win that and – they're automatically a step up. Yeah, I mean, their season opener was originally supposed to be a home game against Clarksville. It's been scrapped because Montgomery County's out for a couple of, for a couple of weeks to begin the year. So whenever the Hawks do get on the field, they're going to be tested right away. They'll have they'll have that game at Wilson Central on September fourth if that's their first game, and then they've got to figure it out from there. A couple of kids to mention here. You've got Anthony Prescott, Austin Gibbs, both senior linebackers, junior linebacker Jordan Kitchen, Sam Brown, a junior at strong safety, Seneca Bradley, a linebacker, a junior, Justin Williams, a free safety as a senior, Jeremiah Gilbert on the line as a senior, along with Corey Bolster and Ashton Chavis. There's 
there's experience on the defensive side, and that should that should help them maybe flip a couple of games that they, did, that they didn't win last year. Yeah, I think Ashton uh, Chavis is going to be a, a big part of that at defensive end. 6'3", 245, he creates havoc. Uh, he uses his hands well to get off blocks. He, he gets an up, uphill push. Uh, he, he's, to me, uh, probably one of the keys to, to that defense performing well. We talk about station camp to finish this region out, and the Bison going, went through some changes in the offseason. For the first time ever, they have a new head coach. That Sean Hollinsworth had taken that program from its inception in the early 2000s until last year. Now it's Brent Alexander who comes in, takes over after an 0-10 season in which this, pro, this team, they scored 10 points exactly one time, and they were yeah. not competitive in, in any game. Yeah, yeah, their offensive output was only 5.8 points per game. In region, it went down to 5.6. Uh, you know, their defense was almost the same way, though. It was a nearly 40 points a game they gave up. It's unfortunate that they're in this region considering their size. Um, it's just, you know, they're doing everything they can to compete. There's under 12 seniors on this team. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've got some players. They've got uh, John Wilson, a linebacker, he's a junior, an instinctual player. He likes to hit. Um, he's, you know, they've got some players on this team. It's just that there's no, you know, they lack depth. Now they have a new coach coming in. No spring practice. No installation of it. You know, delayed in possibly installation of programs, evaluation of players, things of that nature. That's you know, I think that uh, this team is, uh, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you will because you do. Uh, <laughs> But this is one of the teams that may benefit from the restructure. Yeah, yeah, they, they could really use whatever happens to them in in reclassification when it happens. That I think their numbers have gone down a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. My understanding is that if this team were to be restructured now, as things stand, they would be more in line with a 4A school. Possibly. Because there's only one feeder school feeding in the station camp, and there yeah. aren't that many – yeah, so yeah, they've lost. They've lost a little bit of that. Um, but you know, the good. You know, they still strap them on. Yeah. They still get out there and do their best. And they, it's just, uh, it's just a very, very tough region to be in. Yeah. And a very, you know, to be in this this region here, um, they just need to keep improving and keep working, keep working with their younger players, uh, getting much exposure for their, uh, for their, uh, their older players or seniors. Um, and just do do the absolute best thing they can. And, and the schedule's not easy for them. I mean, they have they have three Sumner County rivals that they're going to play on the schedule: White House, Gallatin, and Beach. And then you throw in Stewart's Creek as well, and Springfield. I mean, their non their non region games are tough. So, you know, if they're going to break their fourteen game losing streak entering the season, I think their best chance is right out of the gate in week one against White House because that was really the only close game they played last year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that was a thirteen seven game. Um, would have been, I think, done wonders for that program, those kids, if they could have found a way. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's they were not uh, they were not competitive with the teams that they played last year. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but it looks like it's going to be kind of a two team race again, Mount Juliet and Hendersonville, and you could see Lebanon possibly factoring in, and then you have Wilson Central and Rossview for the fourth spot, maybe in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, the only thing that I, I can see is that a lot of it just, you know, in this year, in this year, 
you know, Rossview could <laughs> anything could happen. Yeah. So uh, with especially with the uncertainty. So no, I, I agree with you. I think your assessment's right on. We'll keep it moving and go to Region Five after the break. Uh, some good teams over there, but some teams that are going to be affected by the stoppages, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. It's the Six One Five Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Welcome back. Let's jump into Region Five and a region that has a lot of uncertainty because four of its members are Metro teams and they're going to be out for a bit. So teams like Cambridge, McGavick, Overton, and Antioch don't know when they're going to get on the field, if they're going to get on the field. And it's, it's really going to be a question of, of you know, attrition. Yeah. Uh, it would be a real shame. Cambridge didn't manage to get on the field, but right. this team, yeah. uh, this team, this team is loaded. Um, it's, it's a shame because I know it causes uh, – it's not the same all over the state because you have different school systems and you have, uh, you know, different uh, – it's not – I'm not calling it politics, but it is – You have different politi- – you have different health departments that are making decisions. Exactly, and that's and and that's what's, uh, what's unfortunate about it because some of these teams could be, you know, left at the station. Mm-hmm. You know. But this Cane Ridge team is absolutely loaded – and I don't see uh, – I mean, they they gave up 15 points per game last year. In the region, they only gave up six. I mean, defensively, this team's great. Uh, you know, in the region also, uh, their offense put up 43. Outside of that, 34 points. Still quite a feat for this offense. And they've got some key players returning, starting with Xavion Clemens, their senior quarterback. 2,000-yard passer. He's got run pass ability. He was the region offensive player of the year. Uh, but we have some news that they've lost a player. Yeah, they won't have a, a Don Mitchell, uh, their, their standout receiver from last season. He's going to be enrolling at Ole Miss in January, so he's going to sit out the season as far as we've been, what we've learned. So. Well, they've got, that's a loss for them, but you know, they've got kids that are ready to step up. Yeah, I mean, you've got Quentin Barnes, uh, 2,600 career receiving yards, yeah. uh, offers from a ton of schools. Yeah. He was all region. Uh, Tyroid Good, um, you know, this kid's got return. He had 1,300 all-purpose yards, 14 TDs. Again, another all-region speed guy. Uh, Kenneth Beard, uh, although you know he can he can fill in that slot, even though he's primarily a defensive you know, standout. Again, another six one one eighty five, it's tall receiver. So you've got some you've got some replacements in there. Yeah, and up front, you know, Quantarius Lusk, who has got some power five offers as well, you know, upgrading that offensive line. Yeah, again. You know how I love the beef up front. You know, 255, 285, 260, 265, 240, 255. They're, I mean, Clemens is going to have time to throw, and they're going to be able to run the ball. That That is just outstanding. Yeah, right now their opener is the region game against Stewart's Creek on September 11th. If that happens to be the case, it'll be good for King Rich to get that test early, but who knows if they'll get on the field or not. Yeah. They've got some good defenders. I was looking at uh, Michael Diada, uh, even though he's uh, he's also a good offensive lineman. Uh, he's an outside linebacker. So here's a six four two fifty five guy that is an offensive lineman, but has outside linebacker speed. Yeah, I mean, again, this team is just loaded. Yeah, the ones that'll be chasing them, Smyrna, uh, first among them. You know, 
Matt Williams crew hoping to challenge for this region title. To do so, they're going to have to to improve against against the Ravens like when they did last year. Yeah, and they're they're going to need to uh, to definitely find ways to keep pace. Uh, but they've got some good players. Um, yeah, they have incredible talent on defense. They got speed and size there. Uh, Josh James, a defensive back, uh, he was all region defensive back. He he also plays wide receiver. Uh, you've got a, a Jordan Johnson, another all-region defensive back. He had 41 tackles, an interception, two sacks. Uh, you know, there there's a lot, a lot here. And then they've got a young player, Jaden Marable, 6'3", 240, four sacks in his freshman season. So defense, when you start talking about the Cane Ridge offense, the teams around them better have a defense to, to match up. Smyrna is getting that together. Stewart's Creek uh, up next, and they're under their third head coach in three years in Ben Caldwell, and we'll see them against Mount Juliet in, in week one. They don't have much coming back at all because they graduated every single starter in their defense, and all but four on offense are gone. Yeah, that that's tough when you have to basically rebuild your defense from scratch. Uh, and and uh, the offense is not a whole lot better, only four starters returning there. And this is a team that defensively held uh, opposing teams to 13 points a game on their defense and scored 34. So it's going to be difficult to rebuild that. But the biggest question is how do you replace Amari Jelks? Yep. I mean, yeah. That to me – now there are some players that are uh, – that they've got in the, uh, in the background – but I think right now the offense is going to rest on Alex Crank, uh, the quarterback, the senior. Uh, he had 600 yards uh, passing, 200 yards rushing last year. Uh, you've got uh, Jalen Moore at the wide receiver. He has the ability to break ta- tackles and run away from defenders, and he's drawing attention from college coaches as well. Uh, Bryant McAtee, their tight end that can block. He's, got, he's also their defensive end. He's got size speed at 6'3", 230. He's poised for a breakout year. So there's a lot on this team. There's a lot of talent there, just not a lot of experience in, in every place. Yep. McGavick's up next, and this team was all but left for dead with three weeks to go in the regular season last year, and then they come up and win their final three region games and get into the playoffs to give – Jay Gore a playoff spot with a three and seven record. They lost to Brentwood in the first round, uh, but they do have to replace all but five starters. They're in the same situation, kind of that Stewart's Creek is. Yeah, I think that Laverne game is really the the game that they had that really that really you know showed them what they could do, and it it was the, I think the catapult that uh, that put them in the postseason. Um, this team is in rebuilding mode. Graduation wiped them out. Uh, no quarterback, no spring ball to work, or no returning quarterback, no spring ball to work on your on yourself. Size is something they're going to have to work on. Depth, they're going to have to play mistake-free ball to get back into that playoff realm, I'm, I'm afraid, for this year yeah. because they are in such a rebuilding mode. And just getting on the field at all is, is still a big question mark for them as well. Yeah, that's another big question. Um, they they have some players of note. Charles Cross, who's an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, senior. 
six foot two fifty five. He is the leader on that offensive line. They're going to lean on him. Uh, you know, Cameron Quinn, another big guy, six six foot three hundred pounds, offensive tackle with quick feet. So they're going to have some players that are going to be able to uh, help set the tone. Um, you know, trying to open up holes for Chris Lacey, who's probably going to be their starting running back. He's shifty, can hide behind blockers, make quick cuts. Question is, what's going to be around those guys? Yeah, some some questions to answer at Laverne for sure, or McGavick for sure. Uh, Laverne's next. I wanted. I got. I got ahead of myself for a second no, there. Laverne's, we were going there. La, we're going to Laverne <laughs> next. Uh, Mike Woodward was on the staff as an assistant last year. He is now the head coach after Stanton Stevens left for a, a spot in North Carolina. Laverne has to replace fifteen starters, mm-hmm. and they have, you know, they have the same situation as the two teams we just talked about. They've got a lot of holes to plug, and not a whole lot of time to really work on doing it. Yeah, but there's some talent on this roster that can mm-hmm. translate to, to wins on the field. Um, Ray Banner is the first one that jumps out to me. Yeah. They're running back. He's their, he's their bell cow. 5'11", 175, nearly rushed for 1,000 yards. Uh, he averaged nearly seven yards per carry. Um, he's elusive. He's smooth. got cutback action. Uh, you know, they've got a quarterback, a senior quarterback in Lavandre Webb who had 1,200 yards passing. 17 uh, touchdowns last year. Um, you know, their offensive line, they got a couple of guys that run 260 and Dylan Morales and Andre Rojas. So, you know, they've got some talent at skill positions. Uh, they've got a kind of a do-it-all guy in Kavion Taylor who actually plays defensive back really well. This kid's lightning quick. He's going to get his ball uh, hands on, uh, on the ball in space. This team – just like McGavick is in a rebuilding mode, but I think that they may be a step ahead just on some of the returning players at skill positions. Yeah. And the fact that they can get on the field right away will well, help will help yeah, them for sure. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. And not the case for Overton, although Cole People's team has seventeen returning starters. The question is when will they get to see the field? Yeah, I, and again, that's that's really the question, isn't it? I mean, a lot of these kids. I mean, it was bad enough when you, when everybody was in a holding pattern, but now to see other teams being able to get out there and do the work, and mm-hmm. you're still in a holding pattern, that's got to be somewhat disheartening. All you can do is play through it. I yep. mean, you can only control what you can control. Yeah. Um, this team is is still they're looking for a new quarterback. Truthfully. Um, so that's going to be interesting who wins that battle. Um, I don't know that they are ready to take that next step if, in fact, they're given that. Yeah. I think they're still a little ways away. They've got some players. Um, EJ Ford, 6'4", 190. He's a large target with speed. Uh, Jabarius Wynn, a strong blocker. He extends blocks. He pulls well, and he plays nasty. And you have to if you're five eleven, one eighty five. Yeah. And you're gonna be uh and and you're a linebacker, you're gonna you're gonna have to dish it out. Yeah. So um and he's a definitely a strong uh blocker at running back. Uh Javon Edmondson, running back, defensive back, he's a sophomore, but he played well as a freshman. I think he's the future of this program. So um aside from that, you also have Michael Yates, who's the team leader. They've got some pieces. 
But it's going to take him some time to fill in around him, I'm afraid. Yeah. And the next team we'll talk about, Antioch, has the area's longest losing streak. They've lost 29 in a row entering 2020 season. Uh, the Bears um, in, it just had a tough time in this region last season, and it doesn't appear like it may get any better. No, they, they are returning some starters, uh, six on offense, five on defense. Uh, but they, they're still you – know, are they in those key positions and what are they putting them around them? Uh, it, that's – you know, they're still a bit away. I think, uh, you know, Jonathan Haley is a, a good player, a wide receiver. Uh, he can go up and battle for the ball. He's 6'2". Uh, Patrick Watts, the tight end. Uh, but he's basically a bigger de- on, bigger on the defensive side at defensive end. You know, 15 tackles, four for loss. He reads, plays well. He needs to work, I think, a little bit on angles and shedding blockers, but he has all the tools to, to really do well. Uh, Josiah Smith, you know, good speed linebacker spot, fills the holes quickly. Um, and then Donovan Davis, the running back, scat back, elusive speed. Again, can they get – on the board this year, will they be allowed to? Yeah, those are all qu- good questions that unfortunately nobody has the answers to. Yeah, and unfortunately, Antioch's biggest challenge is they've got to be they've got to be competitive in games. They they were not close in, in any game last year, when giving up sixty points in their first three games. You know, they the fewest they gave up was forty one, and you know, the Bears that the first step toward respectability is, is going to be being able to just take games into the second half. I mean, it may not show up in the record, but those scores are going to be important as far as, you know, how you're feeling about yourself going forward. Yeah, that's that's the – that is going to be the trick uh, for Coach Marshall yeah. is just getting those kids – because building confidence is a large part of it, and taking those steps and improving week to week is a large part of building confidence. So, yeah. that That's the question for Antioch. There's a lot of questions in this region – Hopefully those teams in Metro will get some answers sooner rather than later. But uh, until they do, it's a little bit of an unknown as to how this region might shake out. But uh, we got to take a break, and when we do, when we come back, we'll, we'll get to Region Six where some more heavyweights in Class Six A reside, and three really good ones to to dive into. So we'll do that after the break. Uh, this is Six One Five Preps Podcast. We're back in a minute. Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast preseason edition. We finish up Class 6A area teams with Region 6. And, Scott, in this region are some of the meat of 6A when we talk about area teams that have a chance to go deep into the postseason. Oh, yeah. There is talent in spades on this in this region. It is just loaded. Um, Start with Brentwood. Yeah, Here's the thing about Brentwood. They only have – Four starters coming back on each side of the ball, but we're still considering them a state a state contender because, well, the talent's there. Yeah, I mean, what they have returning uh, in the skill positions are experienced players. Yeah, start with Kate Granzo, a quarterback, you know, and he's committed to Auburn to play baseball. But now SEC teams are calling as far as his quarterbacking skills, so it's be interesting to see if if that continues yeah. with his recruitment. Yeah, it, it would almost be a shame for him to go into baseball as well as he's played in high school. Uh, you can't fault him. No. Now, of course, you, you you follow your heart, but I'm just saying that uh, this kid is, is all that. He's got the size, 6'3", 215, Region Offensive Player of the Year, 58% passer, near 2,000 yards passing, 17 TDs, rushed for 533, and another 15. Yeah. 
I mean, he he is their uh, he is what they built their offense around. Uh, but they're I mean they've got other players coming back. You got Walter Merrill. Walter Merrill, a Tennessee commitment, and going to be his top target. Uh, Luke Walters at running back. John House playing some wide receiver and defensive back as well. Uh, Ron Crawford has got has got a pretty good little stable of backs that he can he can draw on. Yeah, House really uh, jumped out on me on film. I mean, six one one eighty five, but he really. Uh, I, I looked at the defensive side of things as a corner. He hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hits. And I, and I know I jumped out ahead of you. Uh, we were talking about offense because I was looking at the defense. I think the defense was probably hit harder than the offense was yeah. for certain. So I, I started looking at some of those players, and Hayden Wilhelm jumps out at me, uh, linebacker, defensive end. But he was all region, 83 tackles, seven for lost, four sacks, incredibly effective at defensive end. He can bull rush or finesse, and he's got speed enough to play linebacker. This kid is going to move into that linebacker spot, which was so decimated by graduations. He's going to fill that middle spot, I think. Yeah. be interesting to see, you know, how Brentwood fares against Ravenwood. I mean, they won the Battle of the Woods, the regular season game last year. Then Ravenwood came back in the playoffs and knocked them out. I mean, you know, can can the Bruins reverse that trend and get to a semifinal where they haven't been in a while? You know, it, it would be a big question for them. It would. And, you know, I think these games, they always come down to a play or, some, or you know, uh, the last second. I mean – it, it seems like it, but it may not, you know, always be the case. But there's a player on this Brentwood team that deserves mention. That's Thomas Day. He's a senior kicker, 7-8 um, on field goals. He's got a leg. He can boom it from 44. And in this region, special teams are going to be important. The details are going to matter, especially between the top three teams. Yeah, and their schedule's a little different at the front end of it because with some teams not being able to play in the first couple of weeks, they've added games at Nolansville and at home against Brentwood Academy, who they haven't played since 2002 to start the season. So they'll be they'll be in some pretty high-profile games early on. Yeah, they're going to get a challenge early and, and see where they are. So I, I think that they – and I truthfully, I think uh, Brentwood – we'll talk about Ravenwood in a moment, but I think Brentwood has an edge in this, and when we get into Ravenwood, uh, we can talk about why. Now let's do that now. The Raptors – Reached the 6A title game, got hit by Maryville in 42-21 and, and losing that one. They have nine returning starters, including some pretty high-profile recruits and commits, and Drake Brinningstool at tight end. He's headed to Clemson. Junior Colson at linebacker, he, he he's going to Michigan. So, you know, the talent on both sides of the ball is still there for the Raptors, but you know, we mentioned going up against Brentwood, and that that's their instant competition. My question is, how do you replace Brian Garcia? Yeah. He was the heart of that team, specifically on offense. But really, he was the leader. Uh, and you watch games with him, and he he wasn't tall. He wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, f- you know, fast, fast. But he was gritty. He could move around in the pocket, make things happen. And it's really hard. And that's where I wonder if Ravenwood. It, they've got some great players. They do. Brenningstool may very well be the best tight end, not only in the state, but the entire Southeast. Yeah. Clemson commit, he's 6'6", 220, blocks incredibly well. You know, 
Ross Johnson, wide receiver, slot receiver that works the seam like magic. He, you know, 37 catches, 600 yards, eight TDs. My question is, though, who's getting them the ball? Because right now, Trevor Andrews is, uh, I think, the incumbent or the, the backup that's coming up. But can he bring the abilities that Garcia had to extend plays? to be incredibly accurate throwing the ball. And that, to me, is going to be the giant question. Yeah, it, they lost a deep graduating senior class, so they've got a lot of backups that are going to go in, into starting roles. And you know, like you mentioned, with, with Trevor Andrews as, as a quarterback trying to distribute amongst these targets, whether or not you know he's fully ready to go. He's a senior, so he better be because he, he doesn't have a lot of time. Now – you know, we know Brentwood's loaded on offense as well, but uh, and Ravenwood does, they lost quite a bit. I mean, Reggie Grimes, of course, they lost. And and the great thing about Grimes is that he had a, a guy on the other side of the ball at defensive end and Junior Colson. So they couldn't afford to uh, double-team him the whole time because Colson was making plays. Colson's all region, 133 right. tackles. 19 tackles for loss, 12 sacks, two interceptions. The guy's a force of nature. He's a Michigan commit, incredibly smart player. But do offenses now start double teaming him? Yeah. Because you don't, you have an unknown on the other side. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And then again, Luke Akers. How do you replace a booming kicker that got you, you know, that made you points? So there are a lot of key pieces that Ravenwood had that they're going to have to replace. That maybe it may be a year before, you know, but then again, some of these guys are gone. You lose a burning stool and all that. So the, the future is now for Ravenwood. Yeah, and then that, that kind of brings independence back into the equation. You know, the Eagles were, were pretty solidly the third team in this region last season just because they were behind Brentwood and Ravenwood. But, uh, right. you know, what independence brings back, they have 10 starters back, but they also have to replace a quarterback as Ethan Cash is gone. Yeah, has any has any uh, region out there lost as much talent as this region? I mean, really good talent yeah. as much as this region has uh, that that made a difference. Now, Independence, they they are there. I, I I don't know if they've got it to make the next level past those other two teams or not, but they definitely have the ability to do it. But they, they've lost their quarterback. They've lost several offensive linemen as well. And so that offense is kind of hurting. Yeah, it looks like Jackson Campbell is going to be their starter quarterback for his senior year. He was backing up cash last season. And you have guys like Trey Hartwell possibly who could have roles, Tyler Lockwood at receiver, you know, Brigham Morikow at wide receiver. I hope I got his name right. I apologize if I didn't. That's uh, what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they've got they've got pieces there, but in order to move up in this region and surpass, catch or surpass Brentwood and Ravenwood, they've got to get going pretty quickly. And, and their schedule is not going to be easy to let them do that because they open with Summit and CPA in the first two weeks. Oh, they and their defense is going to have to get a a little bit more a little bit stingier. Uh, in the region, they allowed an average of twenty one points per game. Um, 
but they've got some good players. Uh, Will Manis is actually returning to football. He's got a good size, 6'3", 245. He's going to play defensive end. He's returning. He'll be worth watching to see how he does. Uh, Josh Amor, uh, he was also a senior linebacker, six foot two ten. led the team in tackles. He doesn't shy away from contact, another one of those hard-nosed type of players. You brought up uh, Jackson Campbell. Uh, it would almost be a shame uh, as much success as he had wide receiver. Uh, he was all region, nearly 1,000 yards, but his bones were made as an all-state defensive back. If he moves to quarterback, yeah, the, that probably won't affect him there. He's still going to play probably in, at least in safety. It tends to be where quarterbacks end up <laughs> yeah. going. But uh, there's one other player that the weapon that this Independence team has that uh, is a true weapon, and that's Cooper Allen, uh, the senior punter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched film on this guy. He can boom it. The biggest problem with Cooper Allen is that he booms it so well, sometimes he outkicks his coverage. Right. And that's not an indictment of him. If you're kicking the ball 60 yards and your guys, you know, only get 30 yards before it gets down there. So. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, he can flip the field in one kick. Let's go to Franklin for our, our next team. And the, the team formerly known as the Rebels, they have actually grown to change their nickname. We don't know what that is right now, but uh, – We'll, we'll certainly learn it when we find out. Certainly. But uh, Donnie Webb has nine returning starters from playoff team last year, finished fourth in this region. And Franklin, no, they had some key losses. They lost Guy Lipscomb, who played a little bit of everything. John Kirkpatrick, a linebacker, is gone. Josh Nichols, their quarterback, is gone. So, really, when you look at this team up front, it's Jason Amsler, his senior offensive lineman, and Fisher Anderson, a junior, who are going to be kind of leading the way up front for these for these guys. Yeah, but they've got some guys coming in. This is my this is my sleeper team in this in this region. I love what they've got on offense as far as the offensive line goes. They got four starters returning on the offensive line, and they're huge. They are absolutely massive. Um, you've got uh, Mason Jones, six six two fifty five. He sustains blocks. He excels at pass protection. Jason Amsler, six six two eighty. This guy's a big guy with a motor. He loves to finish blocks. He looks for people to hit. I watched film. I saw him pancake two guys in one block. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love this guy. Um, they've, but they do have some uh, pieces uh, to replace. And at quarterback, it looks like they've got a lefty quarterback transfer from Gordon Lee in Blake Irby, six foot 170, coming from Gordon Lee High School in Chickamauga. Lefty, strong arm. Got touch. He looks really, really good. Uh, Carson Repass, a, a wide receiver, senior. Smooth as silk, 6'3", 185, makes his, all the catches. He's got tight end size. Just there, there are some pieces on this team that I think that offensively this team could make a run at Independence and given the right circumstances could make a run at Ravenwood, although I think that's a little bit of a reach for this team. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't put it past them just because they got three new impact players. Be interesting to see if they can hold off Centennial, though, for that number four spot. And the Cougars last season, uh, they haven't made the playoffs since 2017. They lost their last five games, which knocked them out of playoff contention. But uh, Centennial's got a couple of kids coming back that, that could make a difference. Matt Kreisky's bunch, uh, it's, you know, they're in a tough spot. 
Oh, they're real. It, it's it's unfortunate that this team is in this region. Yeah. Because this team and other regions is playoff team, mm-hmm. or it has been anyway. Uh, this year, returning three on offense, four on defense, so they they they've lost quite a bit. Uh, but they've got thirteen seniors. There's there's the biggest thing I see with a team like Centennial is just the lack of depth and the lack of size. So you know, you got those guys out there that can compete in, you know, fifty other regions, you know. But in this one, yeah, it's unfortunate to be in six A. Yeah. Because you know anywhere you go, it's you know you're you're facing teams that are just absolutely loaded. And they were one point away from getting a playoff spot last year. They lost to Franklin by one in, in, in an absolute shootout. They actually took Brentwood to the, to the absolute limit in their regular season finale. So it's not like this team can't get it done. It's just they've got to find enough consistency to be in that position. Yeah, Josh Forsey seems to be their their uh, the player that they hang their head on. Uh, he's elusive, quick burst of holes. Uh, he, he also plays outside linebacker. He doesn't have a lot of size. He's only 5'10", 155, but he flies to the ball. Xavier Haddix, uh, running back, he's a sophomore. 5'10", 170, he's the other runner, and he's the one I think that uh, you'll see a lot more – you'll hear a lot more about in the next couple of years. He's shifty. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run with power. He can kind of do all that. Uh, I think he's a name that you'll hear coming up. Uh, Cannon Plowman, an, another undersized uh, wide receiver, he very may well transition to the quarterback spot. He's only 5'10", 155, but, you know – if you can get the ball out and be mobile, we've seen that with other players such as Brian Garcia. You get outside the pocket, you can make things happen. Yep. Uh, so uh, he's one. Uh, defensively, Cooper Allen, linebacker, uh, he plays large at the linebacker spot. He fills gaps. He's solid. Tucker Tremaine, uh, Reed Drouse, he's a defensive back. Um, you know, he, he hits hard for 155 pounds. So they, these guys go out and compete. I just don't know that they have it to compete at this level. Yeah. Consistently. And, and the next team and the last team that we'll cover in this particular classification is kind of in the same boat. Dixon County, uh, they have, they are the unfortunate ones in this in this region because, I mean, they haven't been able to really keep pace with the other five teams. No, they, they haven't. And, and there are a lot of unknowns with this team. I mean, yeah. your head coach, Greg Burns, is going into his first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a whole lot of information <laughs> that uh, that is out there on a lot of these players. Um, tell you the truth, I think because of the coaching staff hasn't, you know, there hasn't been enough out there, and they've not been able to work with these kids. Right. Uh, you know, there there are some returners coming back, but this is a team that defensively in the region gave up 46.8 points a game. Yeah. You know, they only they averaged offensively, and this is really sad. They. In the region, they averaged 2.6 points a game. Yeah. They, they had three shutouts. They didn't score a point until their fourth game of the season, which was their only win over McGavick. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done for this Dixon County program. It's going to be – it's going to take some time for Coach Burns to, to build this program. Yeah, and, and the first step is, you know, be competitive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you did have one win last year, but, you know, in, in games that you've got to – compete in to to move up in this region they, they just weren't close and until that happens and there's there's going to be a rebuilding job here at dixon county i, I think greg burns is kind of pledged to to make this team respectable quickly so it'll be interesting to see you know how he does that 
Yeah, he's got a couple of uh, he's he's got some some building blocks to to build around. Jacob Dooley, a junior quarterback, uh, he's mobile. He gets outside the tackles, good accuracy. Accuracy. He's not afraid to get hit. Uh, Enoch Terlicky uh, is a wide receiver linebacker. He, he takes good angles. He'll put a helmet on you. Uh, as a wide receiver, he can break tackles. He's a good size, six foot one eighty five. Jaden Page, offensive guard, senior, six foot two thirty five. He's got speed to pull. Can open up. Uh, holes on the inside, and then you got Caden Thomas, wide receiver. He's also the safety, tracks the ball well, good on kickoff return. So there are some pieces there. There are some pieces there to build around at Dixon County, but it's going to be a while before you're competing with Ravenwood, Brentwood, Independence. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, unfortunately that's the way it is. And like some of the teams we talked about, they may benefit from uh, reclassification as well, depending on what happens. How many classes did they go down to five classes? How how that affects them in in in, f- in the next couple of years? So we'll be interesting to see what that does to a lot of regions going forward, and then we, we should know that sometime this season how it's gonna how it's gonna shake out. Hopefully, we we know next Thursday how it begins. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we got a couple more regions to go in Division Two. We'll get to those in the next couple of preview episodes. So. Join us for those, and we appreciate you hanging with us. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. We're out.